Hey folks, welcome back to the DC Three Cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, is Vince. Zach is taking care of a sick child, but he'll be back in the second half of the show to talk about the finale of Flashpoint Beyond. But before then, we have a discussion about Batman Superman World's Finest number eight, written by Mark Wade, illustrated by Dan Mora. We've talked about this book a lot, Vince, but every time we've talked about it, I feel like we've had new wonderful things to say about it. Did this eighth issue continue the streak of this book being great? Uh, yeah, I, I think so for the most part. Yeah, it's it's the thing about it is that it's it's such a rich book, you know, like um, it's you. I mean, you could argue that maybe it's decompressed because kind of, uh, you know, so far, I think it, it kicked off with what a five issue arc. And this looks to be like an arc that's going to last. I, I mean, I don't really pay too much attention to the solicits, so I don't know exactly. But this feels like an arc that's going to last. It's going to be another long arc, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, But it does not feel decompressed because it, Wade packs it with so many character moments. Um, He's taking these characters from place to place and putting them in new situations and mixing them with new characters that we haven't seen yet uh in this series and uh it it keeps it feeling fresh and and exciting every issue and i think that that's that's the difference between like decompression that i cannot stand uh versus just the necessity of the five or six issue arc to fill a trade paperback or something like that I understand that that's the way that comics are published these days. That's just kind of, that is what modern comics are, but there there's ways to make that less dull and more exciting and more vibrant. And Mark Wade clearly knows how to do that. Whereas other writers, you know, you get your six issue arc. It's all kind of one thing. It's all kind of one setting. It's all kind of one group of characters and, uh, well, you know what I'm saying. So anyway, that's that's what's keeping this book so fresh. That's what's keeping us wanting to discuss it every week or every month. Um, where where we sometimes let other books kind of fall by the wayside, even if even if we gen, generally like them, you know. Yeah. Is that track. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I I will take issue with one thing you said, and this is just me being pedantic a bit here, but I don't think you can call this book decompressed. When you look at how much has happened in each issue, like, for instance, in this issue, we get David gets a code name. He's sort of given like a trial run on the Teen Titans. We find out that the key is doing this thing throughout Gotham City. We get uh, the whole action of the like, like this. If this book was truly decompressed in the way that modern comics are, this key story would have been a multiple issue thing. But the entirety of this story with the key, you know, basically giving Gotham City the fear of doors and windows, all that happens and is resolved in the same issue. In addition, we get a lot of information about David and his homeland and sort of mm-hmm. why he feels the fear and the guilt that he feels. We get some nice moments about Robin and Supergirl's relationship. We get Blue Beetle showing up in this book. Like so much happens yeah. in this issue. And I know what you're saying, what you're saying is decompressed because the arc itself is taking more than a couple of issues to tell the story of the arc. 
But it's amazing how in, I think it's 20, 25 pages. This book's a little bit longer than others. So 23, 24, whatever it is, like how much story Wade fits in here. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I know what you're saying, but I'll, I'll, I'll argue that more happened in this issue than happened like in, in entire arcs of Bendis comics. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's exactly what I'm saying. That's, you know, I'm just saying that like, the thing I always wish for on this show is a two or three issue arc, right? Right, right. When yeah. on the rare occasion that that happens, you, you you can like hear how excited I am about it in my voice. <laughs> and and this is not that, you know. But I'm but I'm I'm contrasting like what other writers do with a five or six issue story to what Wade is doing here in exactly the way that you did. So I think we're just. We're arguing over the semantics of, of course, we are of the phrase, but you know, I think we're essentially saying the same thing. Like, yes, this is all going to get collected in a trade as one story, but it is a uh, damn sight more plot packed, uh, action packed story than we're used to seeing in something that will be collected in a trade. I think, yes. And that is where Wade is like on a different level as a writer. And we've we've all been Wade fans for a long time, but this feels like just such a confident book. And to take readers probably too far behind the curtain here, we we have you know most of our files that we get from DC are collected in sort of one folder, and we get a folder for each week. There are multiple times that we have opened up a folder and the only book in there is World's Finest. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's always because, the first one. It's because it seems like they are far ahead on this. And I wonder if Wade's return was being planned for a long time. And so he was able to get ahead of this. And, you know, Dan Mora is doing such incredible work on this. And maybe the maybe the reason that he's able to stay on the stay on schedule is they started it so early. And to me, you know, that is both wonderful because i want books of this quality all the time but it also means that this book probably can't play as nicely with other books because if if, if it is produced at a slower but longer pace um you know maybe maybe that's why maybe that's why the book is reading the way it is because it just it's being it's being constructed a little bit uh differently than you know other books of, of the like um but the other reason why this book is so good, besides just the pacing and the scripting, is because Dan Mora is doing the best work, I think, of his career. And that's not that's not saying nothing, because Dan Mora is a very accomplished artist. But every page in this book just sings in different ways. I mean, I find that typically when you're getting a Batman Superman book, the artist is either a Superman artist who looks uncomfortable. I don't mean that there's, it's not a binary, right? But an artist who is more comfortable doing Superman stuff where the Batman stuff feels uncomfortable or unnatural, or it's the opposite. It's somebody who's used to the more grounded street level Batman stuff. And so the Superman stuff feels a little bit out of place. This book, like the Batman pages feel absolutely a piece with what we come to expect from Batman stories. And the Superman pages feel exactly what we'd expect from Superman stories. And the pages where they're together truly feel like, I don't want to say a compromise because that that's not the right word, 
but they are supposed to share a universe, right? They are they're in the same world, and the pages of them together are just enough of each of them that it feels like a natural combination. It doesn't just feel like this sort of one or the other that we sometimes get in these type of books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. There's um, one panel in particular I just want to point out on uh, it's page 20 of our PDFs, probably page 19 in the actual comic, where Superman and Batman are flying in after Blue Beetle has doused the city with his antidote. And the way Superman is flying, he's holding Batman's arm and flying in like that. <laughs> and if you look at it, Superman's cape is doing something totally different than Batman's cape is. And it's such a small touch, but he never forgets who these characters are, even in these tiny moments. And, you know, there's a rat in the foreground that's silhouetted by these bright lights in the back. And even that is like the foreground looks like Batman. The background looks like Superman. There's There's so much care taken in every single panel here. It's, I mean... My God, it's just it's just beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dan Moore is a a, a god. Uh, <laughs> I think I I said this on uh, on Twitter. Um, You're on Twitter. Yeah, I'm on Twitter. Everybody knows I'm on Twitter. <laughs> um, we keep up the charade for for goofs, but um, I said they they should do uh. After Dark Crisis, they should do a, a new 52 style reboot. But instead of Jim Lee designing all the characters and costumes, Dan Mora gets to desi- design the whole DCU. And that's the design sensibility that we, that we move forward with. Well, he's um, recently redesigned all the Superman characters, it looks it, like. Precisely. And precisely. they're incredible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're they're Oh, oh man. Yeah. Uh, we talked on last week's show about about some of those character designs and uh yes, Mamma Mia. Yeah. I'm saying that even though we haven't recorded that show yet, Vince. <laughs> I I got it, Brian. Just make, uh, just make it short. Just make it short. God, you think I don't know about the magic of radio? <laughs> I mean, it's magic. You can't really know it, right? You can you can you can think you know it. But yeah. Well magic magic is, magic is under attack too, so we gotta keep that in mind. Um, is that a reference to something? Well, that's that's uh, Batman versus Robin, right? That's oh whole... yes, okay, okay. I I thought I thought you were referencing something else, uh, which we're not going to talk about on the show. <laughs> no. uh, I do want to talk about the last page of this issue, which does something. I think that uh, I think I speak for Zach in this. Uh, I think that the three of us all are a little bit uh, probably bummed the Joker is becoming a part of this, but. First of all, that Joker looks amazing. <laughs> like Dan Mora draws. Yeah, I mean, again, he, he like looks great. An incredible um, Joker. And I think that of everybody who's probably going to tell a Joker story that I won't absolutely hate, it's probably Wade. Yep. But I'm still not super excited about it. No, it's still it's still a very like old hat reveal. Um, it's. <laughs> I mean, I flipped to the last page and I said, ah, goddamn Joker again. Yep. Um. But what I will say is I was relieved to see like this is a very classic looking Joker. Um, He's not missing an eyeball or like one eye is a different color. His face isn't taped on. (laughs) Yeah, his face isn't stitched on. He doesn't have like 
a Jack Harlow haircut or something <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, like yes, every yeah. time we've seen the Joker lately, it feels like they have to do some, something to like, uh, mess him up or make him different. And I don't, I don't necessarily hate that stuff, but it is just nice to return to a very classic looking Joker. Like this is a Joker that could be out of the animated series or something like that. Um, so that's a relief as well. Yeah. Yeah, this looks really good. And, uh, you know, it remains to be seen if it stays at this high level. But again, it, it, in way to more I trust at this point. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, up next is The Flash, number 787, written by Jeremy Adams, illustrated by Fernando Passarin. Uh, on our Patreon recently, the three of us discussed our histories with pro wrestling, uh, <laughs> which is very uh, helpful for Ooh, this issue. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, because this issue is basically a big like wrestling goof issue. Um, it's funny. You know, we talk about we talk about world's finest a lot. Let's talk about the flash a lot. But what's interesting about, interesting about the flash is that this is like Vince's platonic ideal. There have been so many done in ones yeah. <laughs> in this book lately. Um, and yet we still find reasons to talk about it because they've all been really good. What'd you yeah, think of this one? Man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, okay. I'm, I don't want to look a gift horse in the mouth. <laughs> I, I thought this one almost came t- too close to completely irreverent for its own, to, for its own good. Like, like, too much in that direction but i will say that that when you know when we read our comics every week for the show i would rather read a a completely irreverent issue like this uh over like the third entry in a six issue arc uh nine times out of ten you know um give me something uh, that that oh, like a one-off story you can read and and either enjoy or forget about. It didn't take up all that much of your time. You don't feel like you have to return to something down the road because you might miss out. This is literally like as self-contained an issue of DC Comics is going to be in the year 2022. And uh, yeah, I, I I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. There's Adams continues to pepper all kinds of really funny things uh, in his stories. The, the, the fact that the announcers were justice lawyer and somebody named mean bean Woodman, um, an obvious uh, mean Gene Okerlund. Uh, yes, of course. Parody, you know, like so funny, um, really well done. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it tells you nothing about the ongoing story of the flash but that's okay i think i i think it's refreshing you know we've spent so long wanting to get wally back to this place where he could be with his family without like the dc meta narrative messing it up or or ripping them apart or whatever and they're finally doing it so you know i'm i'm not going to be like oh i wish this were something else you know no it's right. it's it's totally fine to just exist in this very refreshing, like very homey feeling 
uh Wally flashbook, you know. The the fact that that uh Adams told an entire one issue story here and at no point did you feel like Wally was getting dragged through the mud. It was just so refreshing based on his recent history at DC yes. Comics, right? Like oh man. Yeah, there there was absolutely nothing like meta textual to worry about with him in a story like this. <laughs> yes. I agree with that. And that's really fun. I'll also say that while this story had nothing to do with the DC meta narrative, there is a little bit of character growth that we get from Wally in this with this sort of realization of him having to have something besides just being a superhero in his life, right? Something that brings him joy. I appreciate that concept, uh, even if that could have been, I mean, it's, it's kind of a tacked on concept here. Like, it's a kind of a tacked on idea within the, um, within the story, but it's one that sort of makes sense, right? It's one that I think is, is not a terribly uh, original one, but it's, it's fine. But what I liked about it was like you were saying, I mean, Wally has just been through the ringer lately and lately being the last like 15 years, at least 10 years, if not a little bit more, you know, since, since, since the return of Barry Allen, he's sort of been a clearly the second banana here. And, uh, you know, I, I just like seeing him not only treated like he's the like the Flash, capital T, capital F, the Flash, but also he's being treated like a character who needs to be somehow more than he is. Like to me, this is the first time Wally has felt as important in the DC universe enough to have somebody say to him, "Hey, there needs to be more to you than just being a superhero." Like that that shows that those are the type of problems that Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman have. And Green Lantern has, but you don't often see a story about like, you know, random hero. I'm trying to think of somebody who's like a clearly a B or C list hero. Very rarely do you see a writer trying to explore their personal life for more than just for to be something more than just like a corollary to what's happening in their superhero life. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just yeah. a nice touch from Adams. Yeah, well said. Uh, I, I do want to say I am not the world's biggest Fernando Pissarin fan, mm-hmm. but I think his style fits this issue really well. Yes, it's funny because I am a Pissarin fan in the right arena. Like when 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 he was doing a lot of Green Lantern work, I thought that was generally very good. Um, I think he's another artist that doesn't particularly fit the Flash. But this particular issue of The Flash, yes. (laughs) Um, The way that he draws superheroes kind of makes them look like they're wearing wrestling costumes. Yes. You know, like his Wally here, the the way the eyes are and and how you can see like the wrinkles in his brow when he when he's talking to somebody or or emoting. It has like a very like. kind of threadbare like homespun feel to it in the way that a wrestling lycra costume or whatever would you know um and then just like he's good at drawing kind of blocky bigger figures and i think you know with the wrestling scenes in this really works well like like paseran can draw one big man power bombing another one <laughs> like yes no no problem there 
Um, I think in you know if it were a more traditional Flash story, I think his art is less fitting. It's a little, it's not static as in like stilted. I don't think it ever comes across as stilted, but it is more like posy or static than you would prefer on a Flash book. I think, and I think that's been the one problem with this otherwise really great run so far is that the art has just been if not like uninspiring just not just ill-fitting for the character yes unfortunately. yeah yes there there have been very few issues that feel like what i think a flash book should look like mm-hmm. and, that, and, and that's I, I guess that's just one man's opinion but you know i yeah. think flash books are built on the book looking fluid and i don't think Pissarin's art is particularly fluid right but again for this issue and you said this too um and I agree for this issue. It, 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 it was pretty good. I think. Oh yeah. He, he can, he can draw intergalactic wrestling uh, just fine. Yes. Um, one fun detail before I forget to mention it. <laughs> I love the line that the, uh, that the macho man kind of stand in uh, says about the green lantern Corps has been trying to shut them down year after year. They kind of like hop from galaxy to galaxy and, and, and wrestle. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> I just love this detail that they're like a menace to the space cops with yeah. their wrestling. It's very fun. A uh, couple of really small but fun details. The championship belt is clearly built on based on like the 1980s WWF Intercontinental <laughs> title. And so just as as a nice little nostalgia bomb there. Also, we get uh, both Lobo and Gold Lantern watching this uh, <laughs> in space. Love that. That's fun. Haven't seen Gold Lantern in a minute. Uh, Gold, 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 Gold Beetle. Gold Beetle. Sorry. Gold Beetle. Yeah. No, no, I meant Gold Beetle. Just, yep. We were talking about Green Lanterns. So I have Lantern on the brain. Gold Beetle. Yeah. We, we haven't seen Gold Beetle in a while. If it was Gold Lantern, Zach would have to include this issue in his, uh, in his Gold, Gold Lantern bind. <laughs> <laughs> if he ever actually does that bind, we have to have him do two. We have to give one away on the show. That's just too good of a bit <laughs> yeah. to, not, uh, to not exploit. And um, he, he has to go to Comic Con and have Ben to sign. Yes, of course. Copy of it. One hundred percent. Yes. Uh, but yeah, Gold Beetle. Uh, when was the last time we saw Gold Beetle? Earlier in this uh, run, was it? Like at the very beginning of this? It might have been the very Wally beginning Flash of this, run. Yeah. Like a year ago, then. Yeah. 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 It's uh. Strange, strange that, that character was was introduced and was very cool, and we haven't seen anything about them since. But yeah. that's DC Comics, baby. <laughs> yep, these things happen. So, all right, anything else to say about this issue of the Flash? I don't think so. Yeah, I think that just about does it. All right, let's let's finish off the first half of the show before Zach joins us f- with a uh, discussion of JCPD: The Blue Wall, number one, written by John Ridley, illustrated by Stefano Raffelli. Uh Full disclosure, I think both of us were initially a little reluctant to read this book. Uh, I think for different reasons. I know you said you have no interest in a Gotham Cops book. And I was worried this was going to fall into pretty clear copaganda territory. So I'm really interested to hear what you think about it, because I I sort of pushed for us to talk about this. So Mm -hmm. I'm interested to see what you thought of this book after coming in with some reservations. Um, 
my big my biggest reservation honestly doesn't have anything to do with the uh politics of it mm-hmm. i i think more than anything i don't care to read a story this grounded in my dc comics basically um i reserve the right for my taste to like change over the years or whatever but uh but for the last as long as i can remember and and definitely now i'm not i don't care about the grim and gritty street level aspect of superhero comics unless it comes with a wacky a wacky villain or something you know like Unless um, Mr. Wacky's there. Yeah, if Mr. Wacky's there uh, <laughs> teaching us about inflatables. Yeah. Abra, um, Abra, one, two, three, let us see what we are to see or whatever it was. Let us see what, what... That's a deep cut. Let us see Let what, us see what we will see. What we will see. There it is. Yeah. Okay. yeah, it was even less interesting than what you <laughs> thought it was. Less creative. This is um, a deep cut, yes. Yeah. Uh, no, I just... You know... Two-Face shows up for like two panels of this. And it's not even really Two-Face. And it's not even really Two-Face. It's like a hallucination. Yeah. I I just, this is a personal taste thing, but like even returning to the, um, fucking now I'm not going to be able to remember the name of the book. The, the, the Brubaker, uh, Gotham Central. Central. Gotham Central. Even that, like, I have no interest in that. And if I were, I'm, I'd be afraid to return to it to like wonder whether it was actually as good as I remember it or not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but I just don't. I, I, I like a DC Comics that is willing to put some silly stuff in, even its dark and gritty street level books. You know, I, sure. I. I <sighs> And this is very grounded. Like I was worried that it was that going in and reading it. It absolutely, it's a very straightforward telling about of three cadets that are becoming officers on their first day in the Gotham city PD. And it's a very straight telling of that. And it's kind of three very specific archetypes of like what rookie cops would be and the trials and tribulations therein. And I'm just, it's, it's too grounded for me. It's not what I come to superhero comics for. And that part is the personal taste thing. And then we talk about, I guess we can't avoid talking about the politics a little bit. And I'm going to try to be sensitive about this, but like another thing I was afraid of now, John Ridley is a smart writer, right? So like the, the, um, the other history of the DCU stuff was awesome. I thought like really smart, intelligent, measured, very well considered writing the way that that whole thing was put together. Um, I was, I was pretty much in awe of it. My fears about this book. I I, I never thought it would be full blown propaganda. I never thought it would be, um offensive or anything like that because i think ridley is too smart of a writer to do that right 
But the thing that I did kind of fear is is also what it basically is, which is I feel like I've seen characters like this a million times on cop shows, uh, whatever, you know, um, it, these types of characters have been done to death in fiction where they're these young cops that come in and they think they're going to change things or they're going to, you know, um, do things the right way. And then maybe they get corrupted or they, or they screw up or whatever. And I, I, that's such a trope or a cliche. And maybe that's really what a lot of, maybe that's really what a lot of young officers think they're going to do or whatever. But I feel like we've worn that so thin and I feel like this book is not doing anything yet that is a twist or a, or different when it comes to that stuff for it to grab my attention at all. I think it's a well put together book. I think it looks nice. I think the writing is pretty smart. Again, like Ridley is a technically a very good writer. It's just not doing a thing to hook me or to um shake me from this idea that it's going to be a bunch of rookie cop cliches that happen to take place in Gotham City. Sure. And, and I think that that is all very fair. Um I don't even want to call it criticism. I, th- I think that's I think that's a fair perspective to bring to the book. What I will I'll, I'll add a couple of things here. Uh, first of all, I think that what I like about DC Comics is that there is not just one type of DC comic. That that means something different to everybody. You know, DC Comics can be Zach's Legion bullshit. It can be you know my. Um, you know, golden age hand jobs, and it can be, you know, your Green Lantern, Mishigas, or whatever. Like, it can be all those things, right? And I think that the sort of the, the street level stuff, that is that is an important component to what DC is. Even if it's not your favorite component, it's a component. And so I like that DC offers readers a different look every now and then for their books. And so um, you know, I I can't get mad at a book not being what I want it to be if it's filling a void that isn't there elsewhere. Like I I don't know if I'm gonna read this book every month. I don't, but I think it does what it's trying to do very very well. And I think that while there are certainly some fairly simple and contrived stereotypes within the characters of this i think that for for the piece of the mosaic that this is trying to fill it fills it really really well and i think that it elevates the gotham line to have a book that looks at gotham city outside of the lens of batman because every other but every other gotham book has something to do with batman and this really doesn't. I mean, like you said, Two Face shows up for a second, and I think that maybe you. I think that maybe. How can I say this? There has to be 
a sense of what Gotham City is if Batman just stopped showing up one day. I I do think that 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 makes the 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 books feel more real and more interesting than it would if that never if if the only time we ever saw Gotham was through Batman's eyes. I don't think the stories are as good, and so I think we need this kind of a book. Now that said. I do wish this took a little bit more chances in terms of the characterization. And maybe we're getting there, like you said, but it does feel very sort of paint by numbers, new rookie cop things. I mean, this is, you know, this isn't quite as groundbreaking as uh, Police Academy 2, their first assignment. But, you know, (laughs) a few things can be. Um, But overall, I think this looks really nice. I think it's fitting a, a portion of DC that we don't get necessarily covered every month. And I also think that this is allowing Ridley to remain part of DC and do something maybe a little bit different without um without having to constantly be telling uh uh Jace Batman stories. Mm-hmm. Like it lets him do something a little bit because I I think Ridley's an interesting guy and I want him to do it more at DC. But I also think that Jace Fox is not the most interesting Bat character. And so let him do something else for a little while. Yeah, I I think that's all well said. I think it comes down to a personal taste thing, you know. Yeah, I'm 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 not saying there shouldn't be grounded books. It's I just guess. not for you. It's just not what I want out of the genre. You know. Well, let me I let mean, me ask you this. Is, yeah, sure. Would you? I have long advocated for this, and I can't. Based on what you just said, I can't imagine you actually wanting this. Would you be interested in a Daily Planet comic, like a like a soap opera type story taking place at the Daily Planet? I I used to think I would be, but but if if they did it, I'd want it. I'd want them to be covering like wacky stories, you know? Sure. So so yes, I do want that book, but I don't want it to be grounded. I don't want. I don't want it to be like the newsroom in comic book form. Oh you know? God. I want it to be, I want it to, you know, okay. Hey, uh, this book is not necessarily going to be about Superman. It's going to be about the team at the daily planet, but they're going to be covering wacky Superman villain style capers. Okay. And and it's going to wear that on its sleeve, you know, whereas this, I'm sure at some point, like like Batman himself or one of his villains are going to get involved, but this is way too straight arrow for me. Uh, I think sure, and I would not want of this book uh, applied to a Daily Planet setting either. Okay, fair enough. All right, well, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Zach will join us. We'll talk about Flashpoint Beyond number six, so stay tuned. Hello, denizens of Earth-1218. We are the hosts of Make Mine Multiversity, a twice-monthly podcast. I'm Jaina. And I'm Elias. Make Mine Multiversity is your handy guide to all things Marvel. Each month, we get into it with long looks at the careers of Marvel creators, characters, themes, whatever. 
Sports. Sometimes that means we dig into all things X-Men, sometimes we do a book club for Marvel series past and present, and sometimes that means figuring out which series is our heavyweight champion. Coming down by good old Skylaser to your podcatcher of choice every first and third Friday. Excelsior. Excelsior indeed. And we are back with the discussion of Flashpoint Beyond number six. We're also welcoming Zach back to the show. Hello, Zach. Woo! This isn't a different night or anything at all. Not at all. This is written by Jeff Johns, Tim Sheridan, and Jeremy Adams, illustrated by Zermanico, Michael Janine, and Gary Frank. Oh, what could that mean? What could that mean? <laughs> I'm, I'm such a dumbass that I didn't even think of it. And really? Then, I, as soon as I opened the issue, I thought, oh, fuck, here we go. I could have I saved myself a lot of uh, indigestion <laughs> if I would just use my smooth brain. We call that Ajita, where I'm from, Vince. Um, what I don't know what that means. It means indigestion. It's Ajita. It's a, oh, yeah, yeah. It's an Italian thing. Yeah. Anyway, uh. <laughs> my this these are the exact the first I read the issue and this is the first thing I wrote when I was finished I said who gives a shit and then I put an asterisk next to it and then I said I exactly. give a shit no oh. I give I give a shit I don't <laughs> want to give a shit but I who, somehow give a shit about who watches this. the shit givers exactly <laughs> uh, but I I, I, I guess I, I do uh, <laughs> um I like I I definitely am not super excited about more Watchmen stuff but I think that there was there's a level of just going for it here that I have to tip my hat to I got committing to the bit yeah to the to the nth metal degree you know like (laughs) yeah it's it's admirable on that front alone but admirable Yeah, it's something. I don't know if it's admirable. I'm okay. I'm just gonna Audacious. come out guns, guns blazing on this. Oh, this God. this kind of thing is the only reason I care to read Cape Comics anymore. This this kind of nonsense. I think it's the only. I think it's the only reason why anybody should read uh, read Cape Comics now. Uh, uh, it is this level of uh, spectacle and audacity. I'm not saying it's good by any means. I think it is hilarious. Me putting on my clown makeup as I realized that I thought that the Kryptonians invading storyline was going to be important to this book. (laughs) Thinking back to like issue three where I was like, oh, this is a really cool plot point. I'm interested to see how this is going to play out. Yeah, this. Oh, this is the real story. (laughs) Nope, not at all. Not at all. Not even close. It's literally relegated to the like, like the last page before the sort of epilogue. Uh, it's so to just, funny to, to just say like, "Well, we're gonna go, we're gonna fight some Kryptonians now." It's so funny. Bye. It's so funny. Um, this is not. Uh, this is not good. And well, I'm relieved so, to hear you say that. There are so many anyway. stories stories in here or plot beats like the Kryptonian thing that I would be like so much more interested in hearing about or reading about like so many parts of of, like the Flashpoint world that I would be like yeah I want to know more about that and that that have been like littered throughout this story instead we get this nauseating story about about you know Harvey Dent's wife she two-face uh (laughs) Um, I say that as a She-Hulk joke, not to be offensive. Um, <laughs> I'm 
just trying to be relevant. Um, and, 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 you know, Thomas and, and Martha and, uh, and the, the, this just awful story that like, who cares at all? Um, and that like that, the fact that that's like the main crux, I just like could not care less. But at the same time, I'm like, I would read six more issues that, that, <clears throat> show them fighting the Kryptonians sure why not and make I I fully believe that Jeff Johns is currently working on a book that will simultaneously be Flashpoint 3 and Watchmen 3 at the same time Uh and I'm like sure okay absolutely Gary Frank is on it plus whoever else Germanico I don't care uh just do it here, this book here, has the words "Golden Age Red Lantern" in yeah, it, yes, which it does. broke my brain. That page, good Betsy Lord. Ross. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, you page should, you used should to read be every. The... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say that used to be the thing. Like, if that page appeared in Justice League number nineteen for the New Fifty Two. The three of us would have had to tape down our hard-ons. It would have been so I exciting mean, for us. Jeff Johns is hey. doing Organization 13. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, right. Yeah, you're right. And, but, and it's not like it's dumb. I don't care at all, but I'm like, I want to know what it means. I want to know what happens. I want to sure I'll see it. Uh the bummer of all of this is that this is going to intrude on my precious JSA. Oh, this is all the JSA is going to be. I know. Mm-hmm. It's not even going to intrude. It just—it's just—it is crazy to me that it has been more than ten years since we got a JSA book, and we're—and the JSA book we're getting is actually a Watchmen book. Yeah, it's uh—it's uh, nutty. It's something. It um, is something, and I have to say, like one of the things that we say about DC a lot is that there isn't a lot of something anymore, right? Like everything is pretty, pretty um, safe and easy and not, not uh, challenging to us. Like either in terms of like a, um, like it, it just, it, everything's, everything's samey. Everything's kind of the same. I, I don't know how else to put it. And I feel like this is absolutely not that. Like this is something. This is absolutely something that is at least different, and uh, you know, I don't want to say it's good, but it's it's doing something. And we we often lament how nothing gets done anymore. So it's good that this is something. It's you know, good. <laughs> it's good that it's something. It's not you, good. You it's, guys, you you guys both keep coming so close to saying something I can agree with, and then like. You'll see, and then you say it's good, and then Zach says, uh, it's what, what word did he use that I, uh, I don't, I don't remember. remember. Yeah, I did not say it was good. You I just said, said the word good. I said it's good that this is something, it's I, good that I'm, this is doing something that isn't expected. That's what I don't agree with. <laughs> well, tell us, go off. I this almost this the last two pages of this or whatever it was almost broke my brain for good. Like I joked that I was going to go on like a uh, Patty Chayefsky network rant 
on the show after after seeing that. Yeah, after and then you seeing... deleted it off Farmers Only before I could retweet it. Yeah. Well, I didn't want I didn't want everybody to know exactly what I was talking about because obviously, you know. Um but I my, my thing is I I understand where you're coming from. You want comics to be interesting and this is this is infinitely more interesting than uh, let's reinvent the Superman books or let's reinvent the Batman books again, or let's start all over. Let's get, you know, the next big creative team on Batman is going to come in and do their thing. And really it's not that much different from the last thing, you know, right, like right. this is something you're, you cannot get anywhere else. I will say that for it. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing or or what, but I, I just want, I thought I had a vision where like we were going to get away from the John stuff and someone else was going to get some oxygen. Oh, that would be wonderful. Yeah. And no, I agree. Yeah. And I know that I, I know what you're essentially doing is you're finding you're struggling to read superhero comics on a weekly basis and care about most of it. And this is a way to, this is a way to find something that is interesting and different that even if it's a, a car crash or whatever to look at, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I, I want the page to turn so I can see what, what, what comes after. And this to me feels like a, Virgil leading me through like the nine circles of hell and I'm only on circle like three or four right now because like how many years has John's been sort of stringing this meta narrative along right the specifically the Watchmen one the Watchmen also the JSA like yeah both, both of those things you know the Watchmen I mean like explicitly that was teased at the end of 2014 ish right now 2015 well, it would have been at the end of dark side war which was like 2015 20 early 2016 okay all right yeah which which now is like six or seven years right but <laughs> and know? it's been so it's been done so slowly over yeah. so few titles that it and I just can't, the thing that I can't get over, I promise you, I'm not even anymore. We've talked about this on the show so many times. I'm not even coming at it from a creator's rights. Alan Moore, you know, sure. Al, Alan Moore is done with it. He doesn't want to be asked about it anymore. I, people always joke like, oh, this is really going to piss Alan Moore. He couldn't give a shit less. Right. He doesn't he's he's Don Draper in the elevator. I don't think about you at all. Um and I don't either at this point. My my thing is I have so little interest in exploring any of that stuff beyond more. Not from a creator's rights standpoint, but from a pure like skill. Nobody nobody does it like more. So don't try to take that stuff and play with it. I don't want to see it. You know, it's not going to be the same. 
And and I just I have no interest. In, it's just it's kind of just like my problem with the New Fifty Two Wildstorm stuff, which is that this is something that explicitly doesn't work in the DC universe because it is a lampoon of these characters. It's nauseating to think that like there's a character surfing around the DC universe looking for Doctor Manhattan as if he's some kind of MacGuffin, you know, like. Good Lord, that's that's I I couldn't be less interested in that. Can I actually um, you just you just unlock something in my brain. You know who Dr. Manhattan is to this? It's who Dream uh, is to the Sandman universe books where we're never going to see him again. But what everyone else is going to be talking about him all the time. Sure. And that is fucking terrible. We did see him, though. We saw Dream. Did we? We've seen Dream several times. New Dream. No, I'm talking about the old Dream. Well, he just doesn't exist anymore. But everyone's talking about him constantly in those books. It's like no, Bougie. they're not. They're talking about in specifically in the Dreaming. They were talking about New Dream. They were looking for him. Mm. Regardless, in fact, I think they whatever. do find him eventually. Look, whenever he's not around, they should be asking. Everyone should be asking where he is. Exactly. Well, see, I'm. That's all well, I'm even wondering. I don't think the Watchman is Doctor Manhattan. I think it's Doctor Manhattan's son, sure, or okay. whoever that I mean, was. What, whatever yeah. I, you know, whatever I say is a stand-in for whatever sure. it actually is. Sure, I, sure. I don't. You it know. may be, and it ultimately does not matter. Yeah. Um, the only counterpoint I have to that, and this is just me being like a cranky, cynical asshole, is that like I don't care about any of these stories, <laughs> you know. So like. I, it's all the same to me. <laughs> and and for, and for me, what I okay, this is like gambling. Here we go. Here we go. This is this is uh this is perfect for my diseased brain. I'm pushing all my chips in right now on Mark Wade. And you still have some chips left to push on whatever Jeff Johns is doing. I don't even know if that like I'm not betting on Johns. Like <laughs> That's not I want to like that's not what I'm doing either, and not because okay. I'm like oh, Johns is like you know taboo or or canceled or whatever. It's just like Johns hasn't written anything that I think is like that I have been into since probably like the the DC Universe Rebirth special. Sure. That that was probably like the last time I like hoot and hollered for a Johns thing. Mm-hmm. Although, oh no, I heard you hoot and hollering about certain points of Doomsday Clock, my friend. <laughs> well, I was just about to say, I, I I wouldn't say I hooted and hollered for Doomsday Clock, and 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 I haven't like touched it again since it came out. But I do look back on Doomsday Clock kind of fondly, and I think that it is probably like of the events in the DCU over the past. Uh, 10 years maybe other than like multiversity that has left any kind of like lasting mark on me in terms of like i think back on that sometimes and say hey that was pretty cool mm-hmm. um and i mean like so, there there is just like something about um I can't explain it, but there is something about Gary Frank doing Watchmen stuff that I do. I do like 
get a little excited when I see it. I, I can't explain it at all. Well, Gary Frank is very good. Gary Frank is yes, extremely is. good. I guess I, I get excited anytime Gary Frank does anything. Yeah. Um, I mean, as much as I'm repelled by the very idea of it, that nine panel grid uh, with the nostalgia uh, perfume. Yeah. Like that, that is all very arresting imagery. And Gary does that, you know, as good as anyone. I would, I would say like, not quite, not Dave Gibbons, but like, if you want to talk about modern equivalents, like I, I could put Frank up there. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I don't know, you mentioned Wildstorm and I'm easily like the Wildstorm boy of the DC three cast, I think. And I do well, you know, the Wildstorm was a really good reimagining, but again, that had like one of the creators who defined what the Wildstorm was working on. And then like, yeah. you know, anytime anyone else kind of picks up on it since then, it's kind of diminishing returns, but And it was explicitly in its own corner, which is my Right. That's also my true. Yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. That's also true. Um, but I do get excited. I think the difference between me and you guys is I do get excited with seeing these kind of more like tangential uh you know alternate universe characters get integrated into the DCU and seeing how they how it works even if it is bad Mm -hmm. just because it's like I think I think what it is is to me like the DCU is so stagnant anytime you introduce some kind of like foreign material or you know some kind of unknown factor there's a chance for something cool to happen or it it at least spices it up a little bit whereas just existing within like the regular DCU milieu it's just all the stories have been told most you know for for the most part occasionally you'll you know you have a one in 100 chance of somebody really catching lightning in a bottle like with priest deathstroke or uh i don't know uh like like uh, mark wade's doing yeah well uh, well, that's still like kind of even remains to be proven yet it's still too early i think or or like uh like tom taylor's suicide squad for me or like Mm -hmm. uh uh, you, you know, the, every once in a while, you get a thing that's just like, man, that is such an interesting, unique take on this yeah. character, and like, and, and sometimes even like the DCU at large, the way it interacts with that, that's really interesting. But I think it's harder to do when all the toys, all the pieces, all the ingredients are essentially the same. So anytime there's like a chance that something different is being thrown in, be that a new character. Um, or or a like pre-established thing like Watchmen or Wildstorm or Milestone or you know any any of these things like the multiversal characters even though I think that that is even a little bit tougher because a lot of times those are just like explicit pastiches or of, of DCU characters so it, it becomes like uh, you know it, it's just like a drop in the bucket but I guess again like my excitement level on this is low it's maybe like a three or a four compared to like a one or a two for everything else you know what i mean Mm. out of 10 yeah oh damn okay yeah all right yeah it moves the needle just a little bit more 
Well, you, I, it's it's one of the few things that we're sitting here disagreeing on and sure. talking about and hashing We're not out, even so really guess. disagreeing on it. I, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think we just <laughs> I, I really think this is just a matter of how much stomach we have for something. Yeah. Um, you want to know the thing that's the worst that I, I can't understand. It like in, breaks my the, brain how this made it through the entire Wayne story. No, no, not that. Although it's a part of that. We had this conversation earlier in the story about the snow globe and if it was the snow globe from Watchmen uh, and we and we decided that it wasn't because it didn't look the same. Turns out it is and it doesn't look the same. <laughs> it's got snowmen in it and the one uh-huh. from Watchmen had a city, had like buildings. Well, this is Earth 2 Watchmen. I don't know. <laughs> How don't do you know. fuck that up? Yeah, It's like know. iconic imagery. <laughs> You just look at the book and model it. I don't get it. That will be the it's plot. A, it's point a pedant of... problem, but when you're when you're making your book, like your whole book rests on pedantry. Yeah, cribbing from a very specific property. How do you not do it right? I don't get it. So the last thing I want to ask you boys about before we close up shop for this episode is so obviously <laughs> we had spent a, a good bit of the pre-show talking about certain musical artists. Uh, I'm not going to say their names uh, and just sort of like the idea of there being a reevaluation of the, of their work at some point. And I know sometimes like when you're in the middle of something, it can be very hard to, to sort of see the big picture. Do we think that when folks are reading the collected works of Jeff Johns in 30 years, that they're going to have, like a sense that this is post peak Johns or because they're not living it day to day, are they just going to think that, you know, John's kind of always remained at this, at the same sort of high level he was before. Cause like, I mean, to be honest, when we read stuff, like when we read, you know, the Neil Adams stuff from the seventies, we don't know if in comic shops at the time people thought that was good or or that, that he had, that it had fallen off though, to use a phrase of Vince's, you know, um, we just don't have the context for those things anymore as, as much. And so I'm wondering if people are going to look at this and they're going to recognize this as, you know, uh, Jeff Johns's equivalent of Bob Dylan's gospel era or whatever, you know, I it's, I mean, it's not even being treated like it's a, I mean, obviously, there's stuff that's that's coming out of it that's going to continue. But this, as far as like people talking about it or the kind of like pub that it's getting, it may as well not even be happening. Yeah, I don't hear, I don't hear anybody talk about this or see anybody. You know, yeah. and that's that's the thing I wonder is I wonder how much like john's regularly writing stuff at dc again if if he does like if 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 he does if he can put out 12 issues of justice society plus this star girl mini plus maybe like another project or something like if he can consistently put out stuff at dc again then like he might be in the conversation again but i feel like he's just been so sporadic and out of the picture for so long there's just like nobody talks about him and there's been no need to reevaluate him or or evaluate him in any way outside of you know some of the allegations and stuff and i and i 
I wonder how much him being in the conversation again is going to cause those things to be looked at and discussed because right now it's just like it's just like no like Vin says nobody talks about him yeah well that that's kind of why there I was hasn't asking. been a lot to talk about well that's kind of why I'm asking because I, I just feel like it's been such a bizarre career he was he was the man for his first like 10 years in comics and then has been an almost non-entity for the last six or seven. I mean, you could say the same thing about Bendis. Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess you could. I, I always think they're a little bit different, though, because I feel like John's did not. Hmm, John's fell off in a totally different way than Bendis did. Yes, he did. A totally different way. They're, they're very, very different sort of career slump. You know, it's very two different ways to do a career slump. Um, yes and no, because I do think that television played a and film played a big part in their comic slumps. Bendis just stayed more prolific through his slumps. I suppose that's true. I would argue that. Hmm. Eh, will I argue this? I don't know. I was going to say I don't know if any John's event pre Doomsday Clock was ever as poorly received as Bendis's last five years at Marvel was. Yeah. Maybe not. No. But again, it's because like I think it's just because the only difference is that like Bendis just didn't log off, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. He just kept posting. Uh even though maybe his heart wasn't in it. He just he just kept posting. That's what Civil War Two was. Yeah. Um Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I'm I am fascinated to see how this JSA book is both how it's received, how it is like treated by DC, uh, in terms of like playing with the rest of the DC universe and how playing with DC in terms of like how DC markets it, how uh how you know how big it is, like how important it is, how uh, all the, I'm I'm just fascinated to see like what role John's and his books play in things moving forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's an excellent question. All right, Vincy, what comes out this uh, this next week for us? I, I don't even know what week we're technically on at this point. We're <laughs> talking. Tell, tell me and then I'll tell you the, the books that are coming out on the 25th of October. 25th. OK, I got it. Hang on. I'm loading. All right. Action 1048, Batman Beyond the White Knight, number six, Batman Fortress, six, Batman Gotham Knights, Gilded City, number one, Batman the Audio Adventures, number two, Catwoman Lonely City, number four, DC Horror Presents Sergeant Rock versus the Army of the Dead, number two, DC Mech, four, DC versus Vampires, 10, Deathstroke, Inc., 14, Detective Comics, 1065, Harley Quinn, 23, Punchline, the Gotham Game, number one, The Human Target, number eight, the Riddler Year One, number one. 
Tim Drake Robin number two and Young Justice targets number four. I thought they were paring down these lines. I was going to say that. The the, that seems like the most comics that have ever been released in one week by DC. <laughs> um, but here we are. Yeah. Uh, actually, did I just tell you the wrong week? I mean, no, maybe. That, no, you said ten twenty five, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If we're if we're talking about. Uh, Flashpoint Beyond this week, then ten twenty five yeah. next okay. week. Yeah, so yeah. I feel like oh, the gosh, yeah. books... They just added a ton. To the... I was going to the... say, I feel like I feel like our 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 folder did not have that many titles in it. So yeah, it just like doubled in the last few hours. So okay, all right. Well, there you go. Anyway, thanks for listening, folks. Uh, if you need to find two thirds of us on Twitter, you can. I am at Brian is an app, and I am at the Woke of Z. If you need to find Vince, he is uh, trolling Packers fans both in person and online. Mm -hmm. And uh, we appreciate you listening. Take care, and we'll talk to you guys soon. I decided to go with the Devil's Water a beer. Uh, Uh, Well, you know, the Devil's Water, it ain't so sweet, but you don't have to drink right now.